is Sister Florence McMahon, and she is a Benedictine sister at St. Martin's Monastery. Um, I've known her for several years from Girls Totus Tuis uh, during my time in the vocations office, and she has been an inspiration to me of humility and gentleness and kindness, and I miss running into you out here as you tend to the flowers. So it's good to see you again. Please welcome Sister Florence. I think many of you were at the wake today, last night, or the funeral today, and as I understood from Susan, we're supposed to speak about God moments, and certainly there were a lot of God moments last night and in the beautiful mass and ceremonies today. So um, it's been a great day for all of us. A sad day, but a great day, because... um, Monsignor meant a lot to all of us, and we, just, we know he's with us in a special way. Now, uh, I like to listen to EWT News at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and last week they had a report of a study they did of men's occupations and uh, how they were satisfied with their job and found happiness and joy there. And then they mentioned that the priests came out very high in that study. And so they attributed a lot to their intimacy with Jesus and their um, frequency of the sacraments and their ministry for people. And, you know, those attributes could also be found, it's certainly found in the priesthood. And the priests, we know all of our priests certainly serve well and seem to be good brothers to each other and so but we could all uh, we all have that joy and we all have that a a certain amount of that joy of um, and uh, it'd be true of sisters too who dedicate their lives to our Lord in a special way families certainly do too so we we need good good moms and dads and good parents and they're very happy with their their role in life of bringing new creation and forming them and leading them to God so as Christians we're very happy people now I wasn't always comfortable with speaking with a group uh, and most of us uh, sisters entered shortly after high school in my time now people wait a little longer But uh, it was important then for the Benedictine community to educate the young sisters. And we had hospitals at that time. That that was totally true of all religious communities. We had hospitals and we staffed a lot of parish schools. So we had a very visionary uh, sister, Bonaventure, who was in charge of especially the young sisters who were going to be teachers. And uh, she, um, shortly after, I think we might have even worn the black veil a little bit as novices, she enrolled a set. Then it was called the, uh, I think it was called the the, uh, Teacher's College in Spearfish. And she enrolled us. We couldn't believe it, but she enrolled us in public speaking. 
and we thought we almost died because we weren't even we didn't even know how to act as sisters because we were just just had received the habit and how to use your hands and how to use all just act like sisters so um, there were about nine of us that she wrote there were 13 who went to Black Hills State Teachers College at that time that summer and um, we, I never, I always remember the day we walked into class and there were about nine other men and women there and there was a man teacher and he never even seemed to notice. He just, uh, and we thought he would be worried about seeing all nine of us walk in, but he wasn't. And for his first assignment, he told us uh, to find, a, to tell a short story the next day or to find a cutting from a story or a play. And so after class, we all said, no way, we better not get anything about religion because they'll think that we're trying to evangelize and proselytize them. So we'll look for something for nature. There's lots of good poetry or stories or about people. Of course, I was raised on a farmer ranch, so I was kind of attracted to uh, one about a farmer. So I kind of remember it, but I have to tell you, tell a few things because all of you might not have grown up on a farm. And the story tells about a buck saw, which is a kind of a big saw. Usually it has two handles on it. And then there's a saw buck that, you know, most home carpenters have, it has triangle legs and then a beam across. And then there's a seesaw, and it's kind of like our teeter-totters. It goes up and down the seesaw. It was called a seesaw in, in the past. And so this is kind of the way the story went. It said that once there was a farmer whose name was Esau Buck, and one day before going to town to buy a new buck saw, the farmer said to Esau, Esau, while I'm going to town, I wish you'd saw up that pile of wood over there. So. After the farmer had gone to town, he saw Buck, went out to saw the wood. But when he saw the saw, he saw that he couldn't saw the wood with that saw, so he didn't saw it. And when the farmer came back, he put the new Buck saw on the saw Buck near the seesaw. And he went in and he said to Esau Buck, Esau, I thought I told you to cut up that wood over there. Well, Esau Buck said, well, when I saw the saw, I saw that I couldn't saw the wood with that saw, so I didn't saw it. Well, the farmer said, well, now I bought a new buck saw, so you could go out and saw the wood now. So Esau went out to saw the wood with the buck saw, and he was leaning over the saw buck near the seesaw to get the buck saw, and the old buck who was in the garden saw his chance. And he ran, and he hit Esau Buck, and he knocked Esau Buck over the buck saw, and he landed on the buck saw near the seesaw. <laughs> so, so I kind of remember that story of many years ago. And we, and during that class, all the sisters had poetry or stories about people or nature. And all nine of the other people had something about religion. And so that was a kind of a God moment. <laughs> After we saw what each had done, we just laughed. And the rest of the class, we had good camaraderie and 
it, it turned out to be a really interesting. We developed a lot of good friendships there. Now, back to our early education uh, and Sister Bonaventure, she was the one who uh, had the vision. You know, when I entered, we, our monastery and our St. Martin's Academy and the residence hall was in Sturgis where the sisters founded it in 1889. And um, our sister Bonaventure always thought that we needed more land to develop uh, high school. And for a lot of reasons, she thought we should be near Rapid City. So she came exploring back in the 40s and she negotiated with um, farmer here or rancher to buy this ranch. It was a 560-acre ranch. And pardon me, I <laughs> get a dry, need a little water. <laughs> and she bought this 560-acre ranch. And now we all know all the good things that went on the building, this building, and and the academy, and now it's used so, ma so many things. And even Monsignor might not have been buried out there close to all of us if she hadn't been missionary. That was our sister Bonaventure, and she bought this property back in the, in the 40s. Now, going on with my own life, I was born on a ranch about 50 miles north of Gillette, Wyoming, kind of up near the Montana border. and. Um, my mother was born in Milwaukee and a you know, strong family, and my dad in Council Bluffs. But the excitement in the early 20s of homesteading, some of my uncles and aunts had gone out to homestead, so dad partly talked mom into going out there. <laughs> and and they, um, that's where well, later on, we moved a little further away from the original place. But one of the God moments, probably, you know, it, it's hard to understand those things, but I had a brother, my, the, shortly after they moved out there, my brother Eugene was born. And, of course, they weren't near a hospital or doctors. My dad went for the midwife, and while he was gone, Eugene was born. But he was without oxygen for quite a long time, and he he was always he lived to be 15, but he was a, totally paralyzed, so he had a big influence on our family. We all had to be, um, you know, considerate of him and help out, and and I have lots of thoughts of my mother holding him. He grew he as 15, he grew the height of a 15 year old. And his head, I remember his head was about the size of a of a 15-year-old. But of course, he never developed his muscles, so he wasn't so heavy. And mom used to hold him, though, and feed him. And she had changed diapers and all those things. And ever so often, if, if some of us had closed the door too loud, he might have a spell. So we all had to be a little careful. But uh, my folks were, you know, we couldn't go to town very much to Mass because um, we were quite a distance and the roads weren't good and the cars weren't good. 
But we uh, certainly, my mom and dad were very faith-filled people. They, uh, we said the rosary, not, not every night, but especially during Lent, I remember. And dad, one of our favorite times, he'd get the big Bible, it was a big, thick Bible, out that had black and white pictures, and he'd tell stories, and I remember really liking to hear, to see the pictures and to hear his stories. Um, they saw to us, too, that we received the sacraments of confession and Holy Communion. We'd, we had a pastor, that Father Marley, that was very good. He came out when a group of us were about the same age, so he came out and had classes in our country school, and he brought a, a a young woman from Gillette, she taught us. And when we went to town, we were supposed to go to town to join. There were about 40 in the class. And we were, went in to join. It was my first time away from home and um, my first time seeing a movie and all that kind of stuff. I was probably about nine years old at that time. But I remember one of the days we stayed with the family, and she took us to church, a whole group of us. And I remember one day, I was looking at the crucifix above the altar, and it just kind of all closed in slowly. It was just a good feeling, and I felt really good. And I said, somehow I had the feeling that, it, that uh, God was saying to me, um, something about this will be the way when you die. And with that, I just felt really good and I laid down on the kneeler. And of course, everybody thought I fainted. So the next thing I remember, I was outside on the church steps and everybody was around asking questions. But I, I, I'd say to mom, no, I really didn't faint. Everybody thought I fainted. But I couldn't explain because I didn't know. But I, I really think it was our Lord uh, coming in a special way because you felt so good about it. Well, I lived on the ranch till I, I even took my freshman and sophomore years as a, with correspondence course. And then as a junior, I couldn't take correspondence course anymore. And I think the folks are kind of worried about my going into Gillette and staying there and being away from home. So. They searched out and they found St. Martin's Academy. We were at that time in Sturgis. So I came as happy as I could be, you know, this great new adventure. And we came in the car and my folks left. And I woke up the next morning and I was so homesick. I, I, I was ready to go home and my mom, they must have stayed in town that night because she came with some message in the morning when I was in class and I wanted to, I went to the door and I was crying so hard and I said, oh, take me home, take me home. But she said, no, you gotta stay. And that first, uh, you know, semester was really hard and I even hitched a ride home at Thanksgiving time. <laughs> I, I uh, some neighbor that lived quite a ways from us and I had to walk the last Probably about four miles, and I had my suitcase, so I hid the suitcase behind the sagebrush. There's lots of that in Wyoming, and I um, 
went on home and when I walked in the door, my folks were very happy. Everybody was sitting around the table and I'll never forget it. They were just happy to see me but wondered how I came. And so my brother had to take me back the next day to get my suitcase that was hidden behind some sagebrush. And um, then, uh, you know, I got, the next semester I got more used to it and I, I had a good friend, Sister Ann Taggart, she was Noreen at that time, and she had had serious surgery, so she was on crutches, and I kind of, um, just was with her a lot to help her get around or run errands for her, things like that. And later on, she entered, and um, that was in our seat. Oh, the first, the junior year kind of ended, and I got to like it a little better in the springtime. And I went home, and you know, you're you, you always busy out on the ranch. Everybody had their job to do. And so I went back for my senior year. That was a lot better. And on December 8th of that year, our sister, her name was Noreen, and our, we slept out at the cabin at that time. I, I think it's torn down now. The chapel is still there in Sturgis, but I think that building might be torn down. But we stay, slept upstairs, stayed upstairs. There were about 12 of us because there's so many at the main building, and we were above the laundry. And I, um, Sister Ann didn't come and didn't come that night. And we loved our procurator. Her name was Sister Edith. She'd come out at night to say our night prayers and everybody would leave their rooms and come out. We'd all kneel down and we'd usually tease her. And, and somebody said that night, where's, where's Noreen? And she just kind of smiled and didn't answer and we went on and but somebody said, but where is Noreen? And she said, well, she's one of us. She, be, she entered today. No kidding, Noreen, and we couldn't believe it. And then, um, oh, sometime later, I was a good friend of Noreen. She was the one I helped a lot. And um, so I remember one day I was cleaning the stairs going down, and Sister Edith, who was the person that stayed with us out there, said, "Well, what do you think of Noreen entering?" And I said, "Well." I've thought about it sometimes too, and I kept on doing the stairs, and I really, but you know, when I said it out loud, it really stuck with me, and I thought about, why did I say that? And, <laughs> and so then I, um, uh, you know, continued that year, and then I, at the end of the year, I thought, well, I pondered and thought about it, and, and so I said, I kind of signed up to go back on September 8th. And so I went home, of course, my brothers came for me and and we I didn't tell them anything of my thoughts, we just joked and laughed going home. And, and um, then I told my mother a couple of days later, and she said, oh, don't call your, don't tell your dad or your brothers, let them have one last good summer. So I, oh. <laughs> uh, and the, so I went on and, and, um, we we did lots of things in the summer, you know, and the ranch has a lot of things. So um, when it got kind of close, I said to Mom one day, I better tell everybody. And before I, she said, well, I guess so. 
So that night, you know, I was kind of getting cold feet about going, and I saw all these other good things going on with my friends, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I should or not. And so one day I got my horse, one night I got my horse Sandy, and I rode over. I thought, I've got to make up my mind. I'm either going or I'm not going. And I had signed up to go on September 8th. And I went out, and I kind of laid on Sandy's back, and I said, I thought of all the advantages of going, and then all the disadvantages of going. And a lot of my friends, of course, were going on to college or getting married or things. And finally, I said to myself, well, uh, there's this one thing about it. After I thought of all the pros and cons, I thought, now, when I come to die, what would I really have wanted to do? And I said, well, if when it comes to die and there really isn't a God, I got clear down to, to basic things of, is there a God or isn't there a God? If there is a God, I said, it's worth doing everything for. And if there isn't a God and I die, well, I just won't be anything. If there isn't a God, I just won't even be anything but ashes. And so I, I kind of kicked Sandy, who was my horse, and we galloped home and I started to get ready and I came. There's stories of that too, but anyway, I, um, I, I told my brothers and, and dad and all those, and, and so I, uh, you know, I entered on that September 8th. And then, you know, there's been many adventures since. I've been mainly with teaching all my life, although there's been other things. And now I don't teach as much. I still enjoy going over to Seton School with the fourth graders and the fifth graders and tell them stories. So, you know, you try to keep on, but I think I've filled all my time, haven't I? <laughs> so anyway, thanks. Thank you, Sister Florence. Um, thank you for sharing how the Lord's drawn you to himself and how you've thus given yourself to this diocese. Um, we're grateful. Um, all of these talks for the flame are on our website, and the next flame will be October 1st. Enjoy.